If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful air of Shabbos to all of you. Great to be with you again, to share some ideas, to talk about what's important in life, to look at the Parsha, to look at the Torah, and to ask ourselves, what can we learn this week? What can we learn for ourselves this week? What can we learn in order to make our lives a little bit better? And, of course, all of this takes place at a very special time of the year. Not a very joyous time of the year, but a special time. The three weeks, the three weeks when all of Israel is in a state of semi-mourning, we recall with sadness the destruction of the First and Second Temple. We recall with sadness the exile of the people, the Jewish people driven from their land into strange societies. And, of course, these parshiot that we read during this time have a very strong connection to this theme, to this theme of the three weeks, to the theme of mourning, to the theme of, in a sense, understanding what, in fact, the sadness is all about. And as everything Jewish, it's not only a historical event, something which happened in the distant past, and we simply remember that, because then it becomes irrelevant. We try to understand the idea of the three weeks within our own lives, and this is why we need the Parsha of the week, to give us this insight, to give us this instruction, to tell us how to deal with the issues that brought about the destruction of the temple and the exile of the people. It wasn't merely a sequence of events that happened over a number of years. It was by the intervention of God, where God himself, through his prophets, through his sages, told the Jewish people time and again that their behavior had become somewhat reckless, somewhat irresponsible, and therefore destructive. And when the Jewish people function in that sort of way, it's not only a negative condition that they create, they create something which brings about retribution, which brings about this whole idea of punishment. Reward and punishment are very real elements within Jewish thinking. It's not something which we talk about in some distant sort of way. It's real. Our behavior has a profound effect upon ourselves, upon our future, upon those around us, upon all of history. Our behavior is so powerful. Each and every one of us contains within him, within him, him and her the power to bring about goodness, not only for oneself, but ultimately for all of creation. And similarly, through negative behavior, one is able to bring a destructive dimension into all of existence as well. And therefore, we have the power. We also have to have the responsibility, the responsibility to understand these things, the responsibility to act accordingly, the responsibility to know how the cause and effect of divine intervention is something which is so very real. And Torah being the wisdom of God, divine wisdom, this gives us the ability to understand divine insight, divine influence, divine involvement in the creation that he brought into being. And there's an interesting concept in Jewish law. Before one begins to study Torah, one has to make a blessing to thank God for giving him the Torah, for giving him the ability, the opportunity of delving into the wisdom of God and deriving a great benefit for oneself. And this is why we make a blessing, just as we make a blessing on everything else that we use in this world. Before we eat, before we perform certain mitzvot, we make a blessing thanking God that he gave us this opportunity, that he gave us this instruction. 
Similarly, when it comes to the study of Torah, we do the exact same thing. We make a blessing. We make a blessing in order to, first of all, acknowledge that what we are going to do is something which comes from God, and we derive personal benefit from it, and therefore we thank God. We thank God for giving us this power, for giving us the strength. But it goes beyond that as well. The blessing is not only acknowledging God and thanking God for what he gives us, but in order for us to understand that as God is eternal, so is his Torah eternal. And the values of Torah last forever under all circumstances in all time and all place. And this is something which cannot be emphasized often enough. The fact that we have to remember that the word of God is eternal. And while, yes, we do adopt to certain situations in various times, various conditions, various states of being. Nonetheless, we know that within those changes, there are the permanent elements that continue to give us an anchor into who and what we are. To understand that the word of Torah is not something which was given to a people thousands of years ago, and we recall it with a sense of, well, nostalgia or a sense of, wow, this is a wonderful intellectual study. No, we understand that the word of God, the word of Torah, is something which lasts forever. And those instructions which God gave us so many years ago are real and relevant even in this present day. And while things have changed dramatically in the world, we've moved from an agricultural society, from a society that wandered in the desert for 40 years where they received the Torah into an agricultural society. And we talk about the whole change of the world, the Industrial Revolution, the fact that we find ourselves in a highly technology technological world where things change so rapidly and so quickly, and we think to ourselves as a result, now that man is able, well, to go to the moon, to walk on the moon, this happened in our lifetime. This is an indication that we've moved away from those ancient, irrelevant, old values. Of course, the answer is not that at all. We have moved into new societies, new environments, new input, new stimuli. But the fact is that those eternal values last forever. And this is the purpose of studying Torah. We make the blessing to remember not only do we acknowledge and thank God, but we recognize as he is eternal in all time, in all places, so is his Torah. And this is why we turn to the Torah on a weekly basis to try and understand what words of instruction can we learn from this particular Parsha. More of that soon. This is the Parsha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the eternity of Torah, how it lasts forever, regardless of time, regardless of place, regardless of situation. Torah is infinite, Torah is eternal, and applies in each and every single situation all time, all space. But before we continue, a word from the marketplace. We are known as the people of the book. We are literary connoisseurs, consumers of words and prose, sharers of ideas. In short, we are readers. Chai FM is starting a book club. Would you like to be one of Chai FM's book club readers? You'll receive a book every month to review on the radio for our listening community. It's social, it's fun, it's mentally enlightening. We look for people with a wide range of reading topics and genres. Get in touch. Email books at chayfm.com. 
We're talking about the parish of the week. The parish of the week is Pinchas. Pinchas was a heroic individual, an individual who stood up against what was in fact taking place before the eyes of all of Israel. They had failed. They began to behave in the most vulgar and immoral sort of way. And Pinchas knew that this could result and would result in a terrible disaster for the Jewish people. The Jewish people would be punished by God, and God forbid they would not enter the promised land. So he picked up a spear and, in fact, killed a particular individual who's the head of the tribe of Shimon and a Moabite, Midianite princess with whom he was having relations in public. And because of that, the Jewish people thought, he's a murderer. Why did he go and take the law into his own hands? And the parsha begins by God saying to Moshe, this individual Pinchas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron the high priest, he is the one who calmed my anger. He is the one who in fact avenged me. He is the one who stopped the plague that could have killed all of Israel. And this is why I'm going to reward him with the extraordinary title of peace. I'm going to make him a Kohen like his father and his grandfather. As we know that when the Kohanim were appointed, it was only Aaron and his four sons, but their living children were not appointed as Kohanim. They remained Leviim. And God says, I am going to upgrade the status of Pinchas to that of a Kohen to indicate that he is one who is motivated by love. He is not a violent killer. He is one who's done good, not only for my name, says God, but for all of Israel stopping the plague. And the question is, this is a continuation of the story that we read last week, how the Jewish people began to misbehave prior to coming into the promised land. Why do we tell the rest of the story how Pinchas was rewarded. Why do we tell that part of the story in a new Parsha? Either tell the story last week completely or tell it this week completely. Yet we bring about a division between the actual story and the response of God with the reward to Pinchas. And as mentioned before, we have to ask ourselves what could possibly motivate the head of a tribe of the Jewish people who are about to enter the promised land after wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. The Jewish people are about to fulfill the ultimate promise of God to the patriarchs that he's going to bring them in to the holy land, the promised land. They are now going to become a nation of great strength and great pride. They will overcome the enemy and they will build a society that in fact is of the utmost and greatest degree of correctness, ethically, morally, and spiritually. What brought about this change where the Jewish people began to behave in a most vulgar and immoral sort of way? And not only that, what angered Pinchas? What did he see that made him so upset that he had to take the law into his own hands and do something which was quite radical, interpreted by some as being violent as well? As we contrast what happened last week, it's the story of how Bilam, that sorcerer, tried to curse the Jewish people but turned out to bless the Jewish people, changing his intended negativity into one of great, great positivity, talking about and heralding the incredible greatness of the Jewish people. 
And one of the things he spoke about was Matova Oholacha Yaakov. He spoke about how the Jewish people dwell as a people with tremendous modesty and correctness, morally behaving in the most proper way. What motivated the Jews, who even by someone like Bilam is seen as a highly moral people, what motivated the Jews and brought about this tremendous change where they behave so immorally? And Pilchas understood this to be a tremendous Chilol Hashem, the desecration of God's name. God who took the Jewish people out of Egypt. God who made a people go through the desert with absolute incredible miracles happening on a daily basis. God who, in fact, is bringing the Jewish people into the ultimate purpose of what creation is all about, the fulfillment of entering the promised land. How come the Jewish people behave in a bad way? And this is what angered Pinchas. Not angry in a simple negative sense, but he realized that he, the Jewish people, he realized the Jewish people are provoking the anger of God, which can, God forbid, result in terrible, terrible punishment. And we have to ask ourselves the question, how could the head of a tribe behave in such a way? How can the Jewish people begin to function in a way that was completely contrary to the blessing, so to speak, where Bilam speaks about the incredible quality of the Jewish people, they live with correctness, with morality and modesty. How could they possibly behave in such an immoral way? And some of the sages tell us something which is quite profound and we have to understand. That Zimri and others said to themselves, now we are going into a new land. We are leaving the protection of the wilderness. We are not going to live a miraculous life anymore. Our relationship with God won't be in an obvious and visible basis every single day. We won't see the hand of God. We will be unfortunately involved in a physical world, and therefore things are going to change. And instead of maintaining our rich, traditional, powerful, uplifting moral life that we exercised in the wilderness, we are going to have to adopt to a new reality and allow the society into which we are going to come to define for us what is correctness and what is morality. And that was a fundamental mistake. While perhaps in his own mind it could justify this sort of behavior in his own mind, but in truth it was a fundamental mistake because when God gave us the laws of decency and morality, when God gave us the laws of ethics, when God gave us the laws that define the Jewish people, those laws were there forever regardless. You might be in the wilderness protected by the miracle of God, or you might be coming into a new land where you're going to function on a far more physical basis, those laws of morality do not change. Those laws of morality continue. Those laws of decency continue. And despite the influence of any modern society, modern, well, throughout history, we've had ancient and modern laws. Those ancient laws remain permanently. And this is a great tragedy, a great tragedy which brings to mind the failure of Jews sometimes to understand what defines right and wrong in their lives. And by allowing themselves to be influenced, overly influenced, by the so-called new world in which they come, this brings about destruction and despair and great tragedy. And throughout history, how many times have we seen this situation 
repeat again and again. The fact that Jewish people come into a new world and, well, morality changes. Who defines morality? Society defines morality. And every time society defines morality, anything but morality results. The fact is that human beings are given to weaker impulses. And because of that, they are able to behave in negative ways. And this is why when we come into a new world, we have to ask ourselves, is everything in this world good? Is everything in this new world proper? I can only think about the Jews who were coming, well, to this country, to America, on Ellis Island, throughout history, coming into new societies, asking themselves those laws that we be, we traditionally had for so many thousands of years. Are they ancient? Are they old-fashioned? Should they be rejected? And if they don't reject immediately, they go through a slow process of decay. They go through a slow process of giving up those eternal values that make us who we are. And in a reckless, irresponsible, often disastrous desire to always be politically correct and to be seen as fine, upstanding individuals who adapt the new world, we give up our identity. Yes, sometimes it's not good to be politically correct. Sometimes it's important to be politically incorrect, to indicate, yes, you cannot define for me what's right and wrong. Torah does that. Torah defines for me what's ethical, what's moral, what's correct, what's proper, because those laws are what went along with the Jewish people and remained with the Jewish people throughout history. We have been involved in so many new societies. Where are they all? Gone, lost. Because once we allow ourselves to somehow be seduced by these new ideas, we ourselves become lost. We ourselves begin to give up on what we are. And this is what Pinchas did. Pinchas stood up and said, no. You are desecrating the name of God. You are about to enter the promised land. Don't allow yourself to be influenced by those who want to justify immoral and unethical behavior by calling it modern, by calling it acceptable, because it is acceptable in the eyes and lives of the society into which we're about to enter. And this is why he has to do something radical. It's not enough for him to despair or for him to simply shout out. He has to do something radical to put himself, to put his own life into jeopardy, to put himself at risk as ultimately what he has to do is to save the Jewish people from their own behavior. And this is why. That story is one story. God comes along and says he didn't do it because he's going to get a reward. He didn't do it because he saw there's going to be a tremendous payoff for himself. No, it's not the reason. He did it because it was the right thing. He was motivated by righteous indignation. He was motivated by not allowing divine name to be desecrated. He did it for the reason of simply ensuring the eternity of the Jewish people. And this is why God says, I am going to give him an eternal gift as well. The gift of peace, the gift of shalom, becoming a high priest. And this is why when I hear in so many different places, well, throughout throughout society, oh, this should be thrown out and that should be thrown out and this is old-fashioned and that is old-fashioned and we live in a modern world, we live in a new world where we do things in a different sort of way, etc., etc. You've heard all the noise. 
And when we begin to use language which is foreign to our source, to our sense of being, when we begin to behave in a way that indicates that we no longer have the self-respect of our own identity, and we use language that becomes, in fact, an indication of how we begin to behave as well by trying to be politically correct That's the disaster that brings about destruction. And this is why this Parsha is so important to us. It's so important to us because then the Jewish people are entering into a new world. And they made a mistake and it was corrected. Painfully, but it was corrected. We live in a world today where so many new ideas are being presented to us on a daily basis. And young people who aren't guided properly, young people who aren't taught properly, in fact, almost everybody, simply buys into what is politically correct. Politically correct is not always correct. We have to know our language has to be authentic. Authentic not in terms of the modern moment or the modern day, authentic in terms of our rich and holy tradition. We have to be authentic to our soul. We have to be authentic to our heritage. We have to be authentic to our future. But more of that soon. This is the Parsha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about Pinchas. We're talking about the courage of Pinchas. We're talking about how Pinchas stood up, in fact, in front of all the Jewish people at the time, a huge community, a multitude of people, many of whom began to behave in a way which angered God. Many began to behave in a way which is the dial of that value system they received at Torah, justifying it by saying, we're coming into a new society, a new world, and therefore we have to adjust our ethical, moral, divine behavior as well. Pinchas said, though, Pinchas said, this has to stop. This thinking has to stop. And therefore, he did something which was extraordinary, something completely radical. He didn't merely stand there and bemoan the fact that the Jewish people are behaving badly. He did something. He indicated a tremendous desire to do the right thing, regardless of the price that he would have to pay. And he was just about to be killed by the people when God intervened and said, no, this is the man who brought about security and safety to the Jewish people. He brought about blessing. He brought about a change. And this is why I give him the covenant of peace to become a Kohen. You know, often throughout history, we've heard it so many times, whether it's children telling parents or parents telling themselves, whatever the case is, that we live in a new world, we live in a new world, and how could everybody be wrong? Well, first of all, not everybody is wrong. Always there are those. There is a minority, of course, that retains a sense of proper values. But I have news for you. Yes, at times, everybody can be wrong. This is what happens when there is hysteria, and what takes over is this tremendous crippling of honesty and self-identity, self-awareness, the inability to stand up for oneself and to say, I am not going to accept what's happening around me. I am going to try and bring about change. I will behave differently. And even though that might be the most radical thing you can do to behave differently than those people around you stand up for that which you are you are simply taking 
possession of that which was given to you as an eternal gift. You are simply standing up and doing the right thing. No matter what they call you, no matter how they behave toward you, how often have we heard, so-and-so's become so from, so-and-so's become so this and so that, as if to say that anybody who retains a sense of devotion and dedication to traditional values is a strange, weird person. When in fact, it's society which behaves in a strange and weird and confusing sort of way. And this is why this Parsha is so important to us, as is every Parsha. But what this Parsha talks to us about is to have the courage, the strength, the desire, the wisdom, the incredible insight to be strong and to do the right thing, regardless of everyone around you behaves absolutely differently. And this is why this Parsha comes out during the three weeks when we tragically have to remember the destruction of the temple and the exile of the people, and why, in fact, it happened. It happened not because of, well, this political event or that political event. It happened as a result of the fact that the Jewish people had lost their direction, their path. They lost their sense of understanding that that which was given to them at Sinai hundreds, thousands of years ago was as relevant today, then, as it was all the way back when the Torah was first given. And this is something that we have to learn to understand in terms of our own lives here and now. The world is changing dramatically and not for the better all of the time. In fact, so many new ideas are being presented, new values, new ethics, new morality that destroy the fiber of that which we stand for and believe in. And this is why we have to have the courage, the strength, the ability to stand up and say no. And while we might be in a huge minority, if one can use that sort of term, nonetheless, I'd rather be right within a minority than wrong within a majority. And we've seen it so many times that it's often a handful of people, a handful of people who stand up against the incredible wave of reckless change. Yes, change is very good in so many different ways. Adaptation for change is always very positive, also very positive. But it's not always very positive. And sometimes it's just downright destructive. And this is what Parsha tells us. We are in the three weeks. We have a history that we have to understand. We have a history that we have to know. We have to understand the causes of what brought about destruction of Hurban. We have to understand the causes of what brought about exile. We have to look into the Parsha. What do we see in the Parsha? One man. One man stands up. Not Moses, not Aaron. Aaron had passed on, of course. But it wasn't the heads of the community. It was an ordinary individual, as we all are. Ordinary people doing courageous and radically positive things that bring about change. And while the Parsha contains a great many things, the laws of the senses, the laws of inheritance, the distribution of, of the land, etc., etc., the festivals, nonetheless, it's this central theme of courage, of strength, of standing up and doing the right thing to somehow appease the anger of God and to bring about safety and security and blessing for the people. Now is the time that we need God's security, we need divine blessing, we need divine strength. Now is time that we have to be so strong. We have to be so strong in so many different ways. But the root, the center, 
the focus has to be strong within ourselves, holding holy those eternal values that God gave us a Sinai. They are as real today as they were then, and we have to have the strength to display it with a sense of courage, with a sense of purpose, to become a Pinchas in our own lives and change the course of history, the course of history into something which is better, the ultimate destiny, the return of the exile, the rebuilding of the temple, the coming of Mashiach, the great blessing of the covenant of peace, the Chavis.